Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Sean, hi. How do you do? Oh, uh, I'm watching curling, so it doesn't get much better than that. No, uh, a big Friday out there in Sydney, Nova Scotia. We're going wall-to-wall with the Scotties Tournament of Hearts tonight. And, Scott, let's start with the biggest story in the world of curling right now, and that, of course, is Jennifer Jones. She loses her game this afternoon to Chris McCarville in Northern Ontario, which takes her out of contention at the Scotties Tournament of Hearts. She comes back with a win tonight over BC, which you might say was a meaningless game. The two teams had been eliminated, but it does give her her 141st victory as a skip of the Scotties Tournament of Hearts, putting her into first place all time in wins. But Scott, for the first time in 14 Scotties appearances, Jennifer Jones is not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, Sean, that's... Um... A hollow win, I think they say, in the world of curling. They all count. They all count. I mean, yeah, they all count. But let's let's just say this has got to be the shocker of all shockers, right? That oh yeah. That Jennifer Jones, as you said, first time to miss the playoffs. She's been a lock before. I picked her to win. Uh, yeah. <laughs> boy. Like like and here's here's the thing. Like so, we're recording this, and there's. Currently, two stones left to come in the wildcard Alberta game, and, and we'll, we'll update what happens. It looks like Alberta's uh, in really good shape to win this game, but it, it appears as though that neither Rachel Holman nor Jennifer Jones will be in the 1-2 game, and at the start of the week, we thought that was kind of a foregone conclusion. Yeah, Sean. And now here we're in a situation where Jennifer Jones is not even into the playoffs. And, and Scott, I, I know that you can overblow numbers. It's really easy to do. But if you look at Jennifer Jones, particularly her draw numbers this week, 70% on her intern draws, only 64% on outturn draws, overall 67% on draw weight. She was never comfortable. She never got it going. She was just out of sorts the entire time. And, they mentioned it on the broadcast that when you're a team like Jennifer Jones, and this is the real difference, I think, between what Jennifer Jones does and Rachel Holman does, where Rachel Holman can win games when she's not at her best because her default is to keep it open and to play hits. Jennifer Jones mixes it up way more than does uh, Rachel Holman, and therefore she needs that draw weight at the end of games. And if she does not have it, it's really tough for her to win. Fortunately for her, she has it 99 out of 100 games or, or 99 out of 100 events, but that one event where she doesn't, she's going to struggle, and that's exactly what happened this week. Yeah, Sean, and and no bigger show of that than today uh, in the game this morning. All she had to do was hit the rings, basically, to win or to, yeah. to at least send the game into an extra, and it came up you know, two feet light. With the sweeper yeah. sweeping it the whole way and her saying out of her hand, oh boy, that's light. And, and so <laughs> when she knows that kind of thing, you're just thinking, you're scratching your head, like, what the heck's going on, right? And uh, yeah. you might ask yourself, Sean, is it too late or is it too early to ask 
Is this it for Jennifer Jones? Yes, it's far too early to ask that. Um, so, Sean, so coming just, up after it, the break, I'm going to tell you <laughs> why. <laughs> so, so just to put this in context, uh, for last year, where Jennifer Jones won, of course, the Scotties' team, Manitoba, remarkably consistent. 81% intern draws, 82% on outturn draws last year for an overall 81%. She was, She just had it in her back pocket when she needed it last year. And this year she didn't. And you, you, that's reflected in, in the score. And the reason, or in the record, and the reason why I think it's way too early to suggest that Jennifer Jones is done is one, that's like, it's, it just, it's a ridiculous thing to say. And two, she wasn't the only team this week that struggled with draw weight. Draw percentages are way down this week. And, you know, I had the pleasure, Scott, in Las Vegas of sitting next to Dave Merklinger for a few ends of action. And there's nothing that seems to get under his skin more than players complaining about the ice. But it's it seems as though this week started off, you know, last Friday night we, we tweeted about how frankly bad that game was between Casey Scheidegger and Kerry Anderson as they tried to learn the ice. There's no dehumidifier in that building out there in Sydney. It rained this week. It snowed this week. Uh, the, the temperature fluctuated. We were both on the East Coast this week, Scott, where, you know, I, I, when I got there, it was zero. And then when I left, it was minus 15. And in a building where you don't have the ability to have the temperature control or, or control the humidity, that's going to be a real struggle. And that has been reflected in the overall percentages that have been down. And Jennifer Jones just got caught in that more than anybody else. And, you know, if you watch TSN and the coverage of what they're talking about, Casey Scheidegger, and they're talking about Chelsea Carey in tonight's game, They've been successful. They're hitting teams. And the hits mm-hmm. have been more consistent this week than the draws have been. And the, the teams that relied on draws, Jennifer Jones and Suzanne Burt, they're the teams that in this championship pool could not come through. Yeah. No, you're right, Sean. Uh, it's, it's the way that it went. And, um, yeah, I don't know uh, much more to say than that. Can I, can I ask where you're getting your stats? Because I'm seeing something a little different. Okay, so I'm on the Curling Canada website. Yeah. I'm on their reports. That's where I'm getting my numbers. What are you seeing? That's where I am, too, on the cumulative statistics by team. Yeah. Yeah, so through tonight's draw, maybe they haven't updated or they've updated uh, <clears throat> since you've looked at it. But I have Jennifer Jones at uh, 73 total percent, 72 on draw, 74 on hits. Okay, I was just looking at draws. Yeah, so this this yeah, so I did pull this up before tonight's game against BC. Okay, so, so a little uh, bit up uh, from tonight's game, but again, it was a game that didn't matter. Uh, it did right. look like both teams were having fun, from what little we got to see it on on the broadcast. Yeah, yeah I, I love that they just punted on this game. Like yeah. they told Kathy, "Don't even look at it. We don't care. It doesn't matter." Uh, they all- they only updated it at the the end when when Jennifer Jones had the shot to win, mm-hmm. and she of course won the game to to become the all time winning to skip in terms of games won at the Scotties. But there they did Even, yeah. linger for a moment. I don't know if you noticed this, Scott. They did linger on it and they kept the mics on. Yes. And when Jennifer Jones hugged Caitlin Laws, it sounded like she said, "Well, she first she apologized. She said sorry, and then what I heard was, we'll do better." Yeah, that's what I heard too. And, yeah, so like I huge that was a cool, disappointment cool for moment. 
well, well, for for the rest of the team too, right? They're not used to this kind of this kind of thing. Uh, even no. Jocelyn Peterman coming in uh, has been to the skies before and made the playoffs before. So like, it's yeah. not it's not what anybody was expecting, least of all this team. And yeah, uh, yeah I mean, we'll see how they come out with uh, the rest of the way on the cash spiel. Yeah, not, not much left, of course. The the Champions Cup and the Players Championship are left for them, yes. and that's that's basically it. So we'll see them in a couple months, but th- they'll have some time off now to hang out. It was cool. The Curling Canon, I think it was, posted photos of Jennifer Jones with her two kids on the ice after that afternoon game, and Don McEwen was there with her kid as well, just sort of showing that, you know, I mean, these women have nothing else to prove. And I believe the caption on the tweet was, you know, there are things that are bigger than curling. And certainly for, for really any, everyone, there are things bigger than curling. But, you know, especially in the context this week, TSN has been doing the greatest curlers of all time. And Don McEwen was voted best skip, Jennifer Jones, or excuse me, best lead, Jennifer Jones's best skip. I mean, th- this isn't, it's, this isn't like the end of a career. This isn't like Dirk Nowitzki on the Mavs, just sort of playing it out, playing 15 minutes a night. And it's it's not that. No, she's still really good. She's still one of the best players in the world, and she's still a threat to to win more. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, you're saying it. I'm. I'm. You know. You know what? I'm gonna see how it plays out from here. <laughs> but this might be the the first shot across the bow of the career of Jennifer Jones. Sean, we do not pull punches here on the Game it's of true. Stones podcast. It's true. We we don't <laughs> we've never been ones to pull punches. Uh and you're right, no, you're right. She she hasn't won a Grand Slam this year, but only two teams have. And uh she didn't have to go through Manitoba. She will next year. And you know Tracy Fleury and Carrie Anderson will both be there next year, presumably. Uh, Darcy Robinson, which we will talk about at some point, won't be, which makes mm-hmm. me so sad. <laughs> and uh, but who who knows? You're right. There, there's a chance she she doesn't make it back. But I'll be honest, Scott. Until I see it more than once, I'm going to continue to pick Jennifer Jones. All right, Sean. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. So. <laughs> Why don't we so, talk so, about? No, sorry. The... I, I just want to. I just want to mention one other thing that I think is interesting in terms of what Jen, Jennifer Jones is weak. And again, this is before tonight's game. So the eleven games that put Mattered. her. Uh, that, yeah, basically. Uh, or excuse me, no. Sorry, this is including tonight's game. The eleven games, six and five, um, for in terms of her scoring, okay, and what she did. So when she had the hammer. She gave up 14 stolen ends, which was a quarter of the time, and she got 17 singles. So 55% of the time when she had the hammer, she was either scoring one or giving up a steal. That is not a recipe to win. Uh, I cannot say that it is. No, Sean, you're right. Uh, it's quite a bit for Team Canada. And yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're going to play that way, then you just can. Looking at the points for and against the on the average, they were even for the week. Uh, right. So, yeah. Um, not the, uh, not the way to the playoffs, but let's talk no, about the teams that not. did make the playoffs. How about, 
Yeah, so this afternoon, Scott, I tweeted out before the one thirty uh, Eastern draw that there was a scenario in which all eight teams going into tonight could still be eligible for the playoffs, and we could have had multiple tiebreakers, but Vic Router pulled his magic as he is once to. It's fixed. And we have no tie. We have no tiebreak. Yeah, it clearly is fixed mm-hmm. uh, for Vic and Vic's mental and physical well-being we have no tiebreakers going into the weekend so yeah sean uh we noticed this last year where i I believe it was the same thing eight and three was the record that would get you in to the three four game almost every year before that i can remember unless unless you had a real real top heavy event seven and four was good enough for at least a tiebreaker and occasionally you'd get a six and five in the mix for for a tie break. Uh, we're seeing now uh, through the last year's Scotties and Briar, and again this year, three losses is the most you can afford in a week that's yeah. very very long. It seems to me like really really difficult and tough on these players because losing four games in a field like this isn't really like anything to to cry about, you know. It, it's still yeah. a really, really good week, and so you see yeah. a team wildcard finishing seven and four, uh, Casey Scheidegger, and not advancing to at least a tiebreaker where she she had to play off a tiebreaker to get in the event, and they don't count that win. Yeah. So she won eight games. I don't know. That, are, do you think that this format is is the way to go? Yes, I really do. I think that this year, last year, the format did not work, and I think that was because last year's field. I'll be honest, wasn't very good relative to this field. This field was so much better. And I think the format works because you can't afford to lose the games that, frankly, you should win. And, you know, if you look at Jennifer Jones's week, not to sort of harp on what Jennifer Jones did, but she lost to Andrea Crawford. And mm-hmm. you you can't do that in this format. You can't afford that type of a loss. She also lost to Suzanne Burt, and, and you can't do that. The only games you can really afford to lose are games against teams that are going to make the playoffs. And if you look at last year, uh, Nova Scotia went nine and two. Marion Arsenault went nine and two, and that mm-hmm. got her into the three four game. Right, last year, like isn't that going isn't, nine and two? But isn't that pretty insane? Like it is. But but here's what here's what I like about it is that the i mean the pressure like there's pressure throughout the week but the games ramp up yeah but is it like but is it like college football then where you basically can't lose a one early when you're not familiar with the ice or whatever like it's like you got to be ready to go and this is a long event for almost no margin of error yeah but the difference i think is so if you look at casey scheidegger she goes seven and four yes she is out but four teams only lost three or less. So, you know, why, why should we say to Casey Scheidegger, you went seven and four, you should get something when other teams did better than her. They're all faced with the same amount of time. They're all playing not even schedules, but comparable schedules. I don't think it's unfair to anybody. I, I yeah I guess I guess not where Alberta Ontario Northern Ontario the the th- three teams that made the playoffs other than Saskatchewan 
you know, they played Nunavut and they played Quebec, who were a junior team that had never been there before. They played Nova Scotia, who was not great. So, like, I don't know. I don't know, Sean. I don't know. Okay. Um, I mean, I mean that you're right. That that's fair. They're not playing the exact same schedules, and that is problematic, Scott. And and I, I just looked back. If you look at 2017, four losses was too much there, and that was the old format. There. Yeah. So it does happen occasionally with the old format, but yeah. most of the time, four losses would get you at least a tiebreak. So I guess we'll see how this goes for the next few years. But to me, it's 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 tough to watch the team go seven and four and not even get a tiebreak uh, opportunity. That said, the teams that came out ahead did win more games. So like you say, that's the way it goes. And I'd yep. say the team that surprises us the most out of these is going to be Chelsea Carey, Sean. Hey, look, listen, nine and two, this is a team that was pretty frankly like kind of garbage earlier in the season, but yep. they were playing without uh, Rochelle Brown. Uh, they are the official team of the Game of Stones podcast. Of, of course. Came in, they won their first seven at this event, and I believe they had won uh, something like, uh, I think they were 14 games in a row they won, or 15 games in a row, or something like that, including the Provincials, uh, and then a run-up before that. So, Sean, this this 9-2, and two, out of, kind of out of nowhere, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Totally out of nowhere. I definitely did not see this coming, like, at all. And, you know, all, all the credit in the world to them that they were able to pull this off. They were bad on Thursday, frankly, where they yes. went out and they lost, lost to two. Team Canada and to, to Prince Edward Rhode Island. But, no, they 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 won. It, it, what's interesting, though, is when you look at the scores, that they won their first four games by one point each. Mm-hmm. So they won by one against Manitoba, by one against Nova Scotia, one against Northern Ontario, one against British Columbia. And the the sort of knock on Chelsea Carey has always been that she gets in her own head and she can win games where she's blowing people out. Like she'd be Quebec 12 to three and she'll do that and she'll do that consistently. But when she's in close games and when she really has to fight for it, she can get in her head and she has not let that happen this week at all. And, you know, they're crediting having a, that new front end They They laugh a lot. They're they're more relaxed and that's helped Chelsea Carey, and I think Vic said something really interesting on the broadcast where Chelsea Carey is so smart about curling and she knows so much that it's almost a detriment that she knows as much as she does that she's so smart that she can see all of these different potential options when somebody who's maybe not as smart who doesn't see as much might be a little more focused and be able to make the shot they've thrown out split times which seems to have helped and she's playing more on field and when when you're somebody who's that much of a i I mean she's got the genes of a champion curler obviously but someone who just is is so in tune with the sport and who is a curler that's really what she is to just play on field because you have Mm -hmm. it 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 really seems to have helped her And, and she's talking a little less and when yep. she's going it's it's definitely more declarative more clear of what she wants to do and she's hit her stride this week and it's been a lot of fun to watch yeah no for sure sean uh, but throwing up the split times really helps 
uh, I think I we don't use them, right? Uh, I mean, not no. that we're as good as Chelsea Carey, no way. But no, it, a, it's, a, yeah, ask Chris. Yeah, but ask but Chris if we're as good on feel. <laughs> it's just one of those extra things that you don't really need in your head while you're throwing. You need to know, like, is it normal? Is it a little slow? Little little keen? Whatever, right? And yeah, uh, trusting your your slide rather than trying to think about how fast am I sliding, just trusting the feel, I think really helps her. It's worth noting that in her past uh, three Scotty's appearances, she was also nine and two. So big, uh, big miss by us on not, you know, going with some pedigree that, that she's teams, got though. there. Different D- teams. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that even more impressive? Than, uh, different teams. It like is. it's, I she's mean, the common yeah. denominator. Right and yeah, and she, she's a she's a great player. Yeah, and I lost the trials final, so like we're not surprised, but we're really surprised if that makes any yeah. sense. No, I, I, absolutely, yeah. Death taxes and Chelsea Curry going nine and two at Scotty's. That's <laughs> what you can lock down. I mean, it's uh, not as much of a lock as Darcy Robertson showing up and making the playoffs, right? But uh... right, <laughs> exactly. Um, and sorry, just to follow up too, I I look back, twenty sixteen seven and four was. Good enough to get in the three four game. Kristen McCarvel mm-hmm. and Carrie Anderson tied for third place there. So no tiebreakers. Twenty fifteen, seven and four, Rachel Holman was fourth place, so no tiebreaker there. Twenty fourteen, there was no team at seven and four. Val Sweeting got into fourth place, tied with Stephanie Lawton at eight and three. So we actually haven't had a tiebreaker at the Scotties going into the playoffs in a while. So yes, Vic is definitely working it's, his magic. It's Vic's voodoo magic. We always come into it the is. last one and I think, oh boy, maybe we'll get a tiebreaker here, but nope. ends up not being the case. So nope. yeah, he's Good job, Vic. slipping Merklinger some cash there to he's pebble it a little something. extra different. Who knows? Yeah. But, um, uh, but yeah, sure. But, no, but, but yeah, so with Chelsea Care, I, I think the key with her is how they come out tomorrow in the one-two game. And does this relaxed attitude carry over? And and, and also, what sheet are they going to play on? This was a story this week where the sheet that they were on tonight, I believe it was C, and yes. that was the sheet where they played the playing game last Friday night. And all week, that was the sheet that was giving players the most trouble. They talked to Dan Carey and... Susan O'Connor before the game and and Kathy Gauthier was saying that everyone seems to agree that this was the sheet that had more frost. It was harder. It was patchier. Mm. It was just a more difficult sheet to read. And traditionally they'll use C as they did last Friday. They'll use that for the playoff games. So given the complaints by the players, I wonder Scott, if they'll shift over now to sheet B for the playoffs. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I hadn't really thought of that yet. I, I will definitely tell you that no one will be choosing rocks from Sheet C, given no. uh, you know the the way that the teams played there. But I wonder if they'll go to B. That I mean, it's possible for sure. That there's no you know hard and fast rule about it, other than in the way they choose the sheets for all the games, they try to make sure everybody's played a somewhat equal number of games on each sheet. So. I know you, you can't with 11 and there being uh, four sheets, but try to make it no. uh, somewhat fair. But you're right. Uh, we'll see what uh, what sheet they end up on t- tomorrow. And the first game tomorrow, Sean, is that the going to be the 1-2 game or the 3-4? Uh, 
Yes, I believe they are playing the one two game first. Or excuse me, no, they're not. They're playing the three four game first at one thirty. All right. I believe these are east. I believe these are Eastern times. Yes. And that will be the Battle of Ontario, which we saw last Saturday. So mm-hmm. same time, just a week later, the same two teams. So they played all week, Scott, to get to the same spot uh, where they started. Of course, this now an elimination game between Christopher Carvel and Rachel Holman. Yeah, Rachel Holman uh, didn't play as well as I think everyone was expecting all week, uh, but they're definitely capable. They just had a couple bad games, and uh, most of the time, though, Rachel was in the 80 uh, range with her shooting percentage. Uh, nothing to sneeze at there. It was just sort of the games that they lost where she she slipped a bit, you know? Yeah, and I think the really only surprise there probably is the loss to Manitoba, where she loses 6-5 there mm-hmm. in the morning draw and draw 9. I mean, tonight they were kind of out of sorts, and... I mean, Robin Silvernagel, we'll get to her in a minute, but she's played really well this week, and she just beat her yeah. tonight. Yeah, um, just frankly, been and, and, curling lights out, really. Like Absolutely. Lights out. Like, it, it's been incredible to watch. And, you know, But if there's any, if you had any doubt about Rachel Holman, that draw today against Prince Edward Island in, in the 10th end, she has to come through a, a relatively tight port. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, she only has to be full eight foot, but it's not easy. And she just puts it right in the four foot and, and no problem. And and that's, of course, I mean, there's really not a flaw with Rachel Holman and what this team does. But, you know, if you're the other team, you want her to be throwing a draw rather than a hit on the last one. And she just stepped up and made it. And, you know, early in the week she had that look that she was in and she was focused and she was making all of her shots. She obviously fell out of that, losing to two games there on, I believe it was Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Or was it one Tuesday? Uh, where she lost both games. But but then she won out until the night game tonight, right? Yeah. So if falling out of the 1-2 game, however, with that loss tonight uh, to Saskatchewan. So, uh, yeah. you know, not that easy. But looking at the team statistics, the Total shooting percentage for all of them was 84%. Uh, you know, like Rachel Holman on her own curled uh, 84 as well. She had one, uh, I think one or two games below 80. But I mean, oh, like they're just rock solid. And and Chris McCarvel's team, Northern Ontario, I, I was rooting for them and I was sort of not because I was going for BC a little bit, but that game that she pulled out against BC and Sarah Warwick really seemed to turn the tide of things for her that week. Uh, like you said, they lost early to Rachel Holman, and yeah, they frankly should have lost that game to BC and might have then been back into the tiebreaker with Manitoba for who would get out of that uh, that pool. And so, you know, I... I, I don't think uh, I see a Northern Ontario victory. Like I don't see a clear path to it here unless she keeps it open enough to be close at the end. What do you think? No, I, I think you're absolutely right. And th- th- it's just been a struggle for her. And which is weird because her, her shooting percentages are really good. Mm-hmm. Like she, she's played well, but you just look you, when you watch the games, like obviously tonight wasn't on, on the broadcast, but she had to come back against PEI. The game against Manitoba the other day uh, was a struggle. 
And like the BC game is a great example. She has had to scratch and claw the whole way, and they've been off a little bit, just by an inch throughout this week. And they they haven't really put together that game where they have completely just had it all together and dominated and and won. I mean, they beat Nunavut 9-3, but okay. But, but, you know, against the contender, they haven't had that game where – you say to yourself, oh, yes, this is Krista McCarvel. This is the Krista McCarvel team that if they played every week, this is why we think they could be one of the best teams in the country. They just haven't gotten to that point yet. Doesn't mean they won't tomorrow, but there just hasn't been that sign of it. And it, it seems crazy, right? Because I'm looking at the percentages. And Sarah Potts, 87. Uh, Jen Gates, 83. Kendra Lilly and Krista McCarvel, both 82. So, like, they're they're playing really well by the percentages, but it seems like in watching the games, they just don't seem comfortable. Uh, yeah, it, yeah I think Sarah's speaking a lot more than I remember her speaking before, uh, which is good because she's a very smart curler and has a real eye for strategy, but it, it just seems like they're down on their clock a little bit. They're sort of overthinking some things. I'd like to see them move on, Sean. I, I really like them as a team and, I think uh, they would have a really great chance to win if they advance, but I, so, something tells me no. So, you know, that's that's what we'll look for in that game. And then at 7.30, we've got the Chelsea Carey team that we talked a lot about already against Team Saskatchewan and Robin Silvernagel. Now, credit to you, Sean. I believe you picked her as your dark horse for the playoffs. I think I did, yes. Yes, yes. And holy cow, she is been anything but a dark horse in this event she's been great she's been a white horse (laughs) yeah the whole the whole team has been really good and we talked i think you and i scott at some point this week that stephanie lawton in this third role is a phenomenal phenomenal uh dynamic for this team you know stephanie lawton's been to the scotties four times i think as a skip made the playoffs every time and I mean, let's not also overlook that Marlene Kasner, who is Stephanie Lawton's sister, is there as the fifth. And Marlene was there every time with Stephanie Lawton. So, mm-hmm. you know, like with Chris McCarville bringing someone like Lorraine Lang as the fifth, like people who have been there know what's going on and can chart rocks with the best of them, know this ice, know exactly what's going to happen. You know, having that is so invaluable to a skip who's never been there before. And Robin Silvernagel has uh, whatever she's needed to do to just set aside all of the, the pressure or all of the distractions that go along with this. She has been absolutely phenomenal this week. The two games she's lost to the Northwest Territories, and that was when Carrie Galusha was three. That put Carrie Galusha to three and one, mm-hmm. and when she it was hot off the top, and then she lost to Alberta as well uh, earlier today i mean she has been very very good yeah sean uh, stephanie lawton looking at the uh statistics third or tied for second overall for third percentages just by skew uh at 84 percent uh stephanie lawton with kendra lily and sarah wilkes at 82 so yeah i mean definitely playing super super well uh balancing out Robin Silvernagel's sort of nerves, I think, 
Um, you, you can see sometimes you got to convince her into throwing a certain shot because it's definitely the best one, but not doing it in a way that makes her feel, oh, I'm not playing the shot I want to play. You know what I mean? Kind of like what, yeah, what sure. we do sometimes <laughs> and convince the skip <laughs> to throw something they don't want to play. But, uh, yeah. uh, yeah, no. And we're seeing, uh, her calm, her expertise definitely shining through here. Uh, for this team yeah. and and they're well positioned. I mean, if they play the way they've played today, uh, I could see them beating beating Chelsea Carey no problem. You know, one hundred percent. What they need though, they need the front end to match up with the front end of Alberta. Uh, they were a little bit uh, off, um, you know, the sort of weak spot, so to speak, on the team. Um, looking here at the standings for the positions, and I can't find. I can't even find Saskatchewan, Sean. Oh, Jesse Huckin, <laughs> middle of the pack here overall. So, yeah, I think it's eight or nine. I can't, I can't count that much. So, you know, setting up the ends, that's sort of the 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 Achilles heel, should I say, of the team so far. But but they're definitely capable. They're definitely capable. So For sure. And, and you talk about the nerves, too. Robin Silvernegger was 64% in that first game last Saturday against Jennifer Jones that they lost, only by a point. But she was 64% there. She finishes the week overall at 80%. So you know you can just see that confidence building. She's mm-hmm. shooting better. She made some pistols every time they flashed over, and they so th- and she was throwing tonight. She was absolutely making pistols, and... Honestly, I, I, this is a team that if I'm Chelsea Carey, I would have probably rather seen Northern Ontario. I might even rather have seen Rachel Holman, the the way Rachel Holman looked, frankly, flummoxed tonight. Yeah, yeah, you're uh, – oh, that's, that's an idea for sure. I mean, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I would rather see that, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to be a dogfight, and it's going to be pretty interesting to see. I I wonder what team the crowd will adopt. We saw them sort of take on PEI once Nova Scotia yes. uh, was out. So out of these four, you got a you got a feeling for who it might be. Might it be the Moose? You know, there's there's a lot of Moose there. There's a lot a lot of Northern Ontario fans. The Moose call has been prominent all week, but I think those East Coast folks who went from Nova Scotia after Jill Brothers really did struggle this week, and they went to Suzanne Burt. I think they go to Saskatchewan. I think that, you know, you go to another small province, you go to another underdog, yeah. and I think that's where the support's going to lie. And, and I mean, this team has been pretty charismatic. They've been fun to watch. And I, I my guess is in that 1-2 game, you're going to have a louder cheer for, Saskatchewan and Robin, Robin Silvernegger than you will for Chelsea Carey. Okay. Okay. Well, that's uh, hmm. that's good to know. So before we uh, go here, Sean. Yeah. Any uh, – I, I want to talk about maybe a few other stories from the week, but let's uh, make our official playoff pr- predictions here. So who you got? Well, I, I believe I had Rachel Holman at the start of the week. I will not move off of that, I think. That team is good enough to come through three, four game and make it through, win a final. So I'm going to stick with that. And 
I'm going to have Robin Silvernagel win this one, two game. Mm. And meaning that Rachel Holman will go through Chelsea Carey in the semifinal on Sunday morning. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go chalk here, Sean. Give me the official team of the game of stones podcast. Give me Alberta. Give me Chelsea Carey. They're putting together something special. Uh, that front end keeps her loose. Uh, Sarah Wilkes is playing really well. That's what I'm going with. Okay. So now that we've got all that boring stuff out of the way, Sean, what are some <laughs> of the most fun stories that you've had from this week? We haven't talked all week. As mentioned, you were out east. I was out uh, yes. down east as well. Um, so, yeah, what what's uh, sort of stuck out to you? Anything from, you know, the pool play? What's What's up? For sure. So pool play for me, I think the biggest story for me is certainly Carrie Galusha and her team getting off to the three and one start and then completely, well, not completely. I mean, they, they sort of lost it there, losing their last three games. I, what happened to them on Wednesday was tough to watch, Scott, mm-hmm. where they had to win one of the games to, to get a tiebreaker. They lose 15 to five to Prince Edward Island. And then the real crusher was 13 to six against Team UConn, giving UConn their only win. And, you know, Carrie Galoosh has been around for a long time. She is just, I love when they're on TV. They're not on TV much. She She's a great individual. She's fun to watch. She's a great shot maker. She's put in tough spots a lot. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I mean, Devin Hero tweeted on Wednesday before that 6.30 game saying this might be Carrie, the biggest game of Carrie Galusha's career and she just didn't have it and that was tough to watch because she's a player that I think a lot of folks cheer for. Certainly I'm partial to wanting them to do well and for her to struggle that badly, I mean to get outscored 28-11 to 11 on Wednesday that was tough to, to watch. Yeah, Sean uh, didn't, didn't really save her best for last there that day, sixty-six uh, percent in the first game, sixty-four in the last. Uh, and you compare that, like, yes, they lost to UConn, which was not great. You know, uh, obviously not not a team you expect them to lose to. But uh, Nicole Baldwin shot eighty-three, eighty-three, and seventy-six in her last three games. They were getting better. They were learning the ice. So. You know, something had to give there. But uh, as you said, it's pretty – not I won't say sad, but it's too bad because they did put in a lot of effort this year, a lot of extra money to come south. We we talked about it at the beginning of the year. We did a podcast about schedules, and we know that they put in the work this year. And to see it – see them come close and just not be able to get over that hump was, was really too bad. Uh, I know we were we were all pretty excited about uh, about the possibility of the territories making it in, but you know what, the, they they know what they need to do. I think they proved this year that they know what they need to do, and if they stick together and come back, I I see good things eventually for this team. Yeah, I, I agree, and hopefully they do. And it's a matter of funding too for them making sure that they can get sponsors because for them playing in Spiels is a lot more expensive than other folks. And, and as you mentioned, they put in the time, they put in the effort this year. I mean, they won the event around here in, in Kempville. Was it Kempville uh, when they came and they won that big Spiel yeah, the Kempville. Uh, on the cash circuit. So, you know, they, they've had a good season and, you know, we won't see them again this year, 
uh, in any big events, but hopefully they can put together a schedule uh, uh, next year. The, the other, of course, surprise is Manitoba doesn't make it through. Tracy Fleury and her squad, they lose the tiebreaker to British Columbia on Thursday morning, and that team was just off all week, Scott. Yeah, they just didn't seem comfortable with the ice. They didn't seem comfortable with each other for some reason. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, just just a bit off. And uh, that what I thought was was interesting was the BC team, Sean, the team I was cheering for. Yes. Uh, down six three in their first game in the tenth end, they score four against Jill Brothers in Nova Scotia to win that game. Yes. And they, that seemed to give them a little bit of confidence, a little bit of momentum. Sarah Work was really good. She was, like, honestly really good all week. Tied for sixth amongst skips. But, uh, you know, shooting 77%, it doesn't take into account the, the timing of when she made the shots. And I believe she was better before the, the championship. So, yeah, just making everything uh, really good. I got my work team t-shirt to email just before i i went east there so i was able to wear it and as as disappointing as manitoba fans might have been between the performance of their team the performance of jennifer jones and the performance of gary anderson uh to be honest uh i i'm really happy for the fans in bc who got to see their team you know uh go toe-to-toe with some of the best and they're pretty young I be- got to believe they'll be back, uh, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. Yeah, and we talked about this last year with Holly Duncan's team. Having to go through that tiebreaker to get into that championship round, that's tough because you got to play three games on Thursday. And yeah, yeah. to get through that, you know, I think we saw the wheels come off a little bit, frankly, going into last night's game against Saskatchewan. And... You know, they beat Manitoba, they beat Prince Edward Island in the afternoon, and then against Saskatchewan, it just wasn't there. And then you come and you're they're to, you're just totally gassed. And it's it's hard because if you look at the scoreboard for last night's game against Saskatchewan, they were up two to one after three with the hammer. Mm-hmm. And they give up steals of two and then one. And then they get their three back, they give up another three. So, you know, the later in the game it got, the, the sloppier they got. That's where they started to miss. I mean, Sarah Work still threw 88% last night. But again, it's sort of when you make them. And it's such a, a, a hill to climb because not only do you have to play those three games, but you have to win them all. Yeah, exactly. Because if you're in a tiebreak, you're at, you're at three losses. And you can't afford to fall to four. So, yeah, all credit in the world to them. They had a good week and not a team that I had high hopes for, certainly. But you know, all credit to them for coming through and making it into the playoffs. Or, excuse me, into the championship round. Yeah, no, for sure, Sean. Any other surprises? We did see yes. Nunavut get their first yeah. win as a as a province. That was so much fun. First draw against Team Quebec where Quebec has a hit for the win. They rolled out. Nunavut wins. It was sort of a, a I don't know, is it understated reaction I felt from everybody in the building? Nobody really knew what to take of it. Mm-hmm. with the miss because you don't want to cheer the miss but you also want to be excited for team Nunavut. they get that win over quebec what i think was great about it scott was in i think the third or fourth end of that game the Nunavut skip she fell down throwing yes a shot she she slipped uh jennifer blaney she she fell down scott she just 
she, she fell as she was throwing the shot. And yet, somehow, she she was throwing a hit to blank, and it turned into a draw for one, and they ended up winning the game four to three. It's it was just, and nobody knows what to say on the broadcast when this happens. Yeah, Kevin my... Oche, who's doing the update, doesn't know what to say. <laughs> Vic doesn't know what to say. Russ and Cheryl were completely silent during this whole thing. It, it, and, and honestly, that's you know we we joke about you know looking like club players. That doesn't happen at the club level very often. No, Sean. It no, it doesn't. It was one of those moments where you're right. The the announcers had no idea how to handle it, and I mean there was maybe a couple comments on on Twitter about oh look at this people falling down. But to her credit, like she made <laughs> she made a, a shot. shot. Like it wasn't what she called, but it worked out, and they yep. won the game. So yeah. you know uh, it happens. I. I listened to uh, our friends there at Rocks Across the Pond. I listened to their podcast this week, um, and it was really good. Uh, they talked a bit about sort of how you can change the format and these sorts of things, and like, is it good to have this kind of these kind of teams at this sort of event? And and I would recommend everybody to go listen to it because this is the charm of this event, right? that you can see somebody do that on TV and be like, hey, I could make it to this event. You know, we right. have those high-level events in the, the slams and the Canada Cup where, you know, uh, I can't make it for sure. But it's nice that that a player who plays in a curling club in Canada can put in their entry fee and, you know, dream that maybe one day I'll fall down on TV. <laughs> <laughs> right like yeah no you're absolutely right and, and that does that is what makes it very much like the u.s open in golf if you will where yeah you, you plunk down your hundred bucks and mm -hmm. you know you're, you're you play until you're eliminated and there is some charm to that and you know good on them they won the game good on the sweepers too for not giving up on that yes. rock and you know Quebec, I don't know if it was a strategic mistake. They they blanked, I think, the seventh, eighth, and ninth, or at least eighth and ninth end, to get to the tenth end. I mean, they had a shot to win, and they just missed it. And but you know, mm -hmm. I, it was great. Mm -hmm. And I I tweeted afterwards too that I looked forward to Vic's video essay about it, and they gave it to us right away on Sunday, <laughs> uh, the next day with it. And I'm sure they'll run it again this weekend uh, during the playoffs. But yeah. I, I, there, there is. There's some charm to it, and and it's better in this format too. Where, you know, if we had to have Team Nunavut, Team Yukon, with all due respect to them, all week, I think it's different. I think in this format where you have this quick little round robin within the pools, and then you get to the real contenders late in the week, I I think that's good because if we had say a a full round robin and you had Yukon against Nunavut on thursday night i mean how much of like do you really need that mm -hmm. but in this format i think the inclusion of all 16 teams last year it didn't work and again i think it was because the teams that qualified it just wasn't overall a very good field this was a very good field and the format worked well this was a very good field and you had some teams not you know not playing as well as they could in in tracy flurry and uh jennifer jones right so yeah. maybe if those teams are playing at a bit of a higher level and we see Jones, Holman, uh, Flurry, and Carey, you know, maybe we're bored, right? Maybe we're 
the same way that we were last year, thinking, oh, it was a foregone conclusion. What's the point? But uh, but I, I don't know. Are, are you really – like Chris McCarville is never going to show up and get just blown out. Like that, that's just not going to happen. She's too good, right? And I think Suzanne Bird's too good too to just get blown out. She might go four and seven uh, in a week, but she's not going to get blown out. She's going to play close games. Like I, I don't think it's a situation in this field where you're going to have a bunch of blowouts. You're going to have teams that just aren't quite there. It's just it was just a yeah. good field. Yeah, and the return of Andrew Crawford really helped. Uh, you're right. Like yeah. we we talked Carrie about Galusha. BC playing well. Kerry Galusha. Yeah, yeah, Sean, you're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. That's and for I mean sure. Casey Shotty. I mean the the inclusion of the wild card team. So you have good provincial winners, and then you're going to get a good wild card team regardless of who won that game last Friday. I mean yeah. that's the key. Frankly, that's the key to any competition is that the, the better the teams are the better the event's going to be. And I think that played out this week. And I think the Briar Fields, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll definitely have to wait and see about that one. Yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah. So, yeah. overall, fun week, though, Scott. Fun, yeah. fun week. Yeah, it's been a fun week so far from what I've been and able I to love watch. Always, if I, like, put them on the East Coast all the time. The time <laughs> with, zone's been with, good. With all due respect to our friends out West, you know, I, I'm sure 5.30 a.m., for morning draws isn't ideal, but you know I don't live out there. But in these coasts, <laughs> but it's doable still, right? Five thirty in the morning is doable when, you know, nine thirty at night is. I guess it's doable too. Whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but no, you're right, Sean. And and being in the Atlantic time zone uh, was also advantageous for it to be out there because, you know, if the games doesn't don't start till ten thirty. No, I got meetings all week, and I gotta get up and be engaged. I mean, right. I, it was frowned on that I did have the uh, curling zone on my computer and just refreshed it every now and then as we were discussing yeah, important you're things. Fine. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. fine. The, yeah. My uh, my colleague was laughing at me actually a little. <laughs> yeah, and what I love too about this this week. So I was in St. John's uh, <laughs> this week. You know, so the the night trial started at eight, and uh, you know Monday night. By the time I got off, I finished everything I was doing. It was about 9.15, 9.30. And I went into the bar at the, the restaurant there and, and to get dinner. And because not a lot of sports going on this week, pretty much all the TVs were on curling. It was about the fifth end there, 9.30. It was a beautiful thing. Nice. And uh, I could certainly get used to that. So you get you get screeched in there? I did not get screeched in, sadly. Uh, you didn't make uh, enough friends. I did not, but I feel as though I uh, I was adequately introduced to local cuisine. I had fish and chips every day with dressing and gravy on the chips each time, Scott. Wow. Yeah. Huh. And uh, so, yes, I have my power rankings of the places I went there in St. John's for the fish and chips, but uh, lovely hospitality, wonderful people, and just uh, it was my first time on The Rock. And that's it. I'm done with all the provinces. I've now been to every province in this country. Just have to do the territories. But uh, yeah, just a, a wonderful experience. Wow, Sean. I'm uh, weather excluded. I'm pretty jealous of you. Yeah, I'm pretty jealous, boy. Uh, well, we got to get a curling event uh, back out there, and uh, then head out for your second time and my first. There you go. So, uh, so we'll see what we could do uh, with that tomorrow. Of course, Scott, curling day in Canada, 
with the playoffs here at the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. They're also going to announce the 2021 Roar of the Rings. At least that is sort of what I've put together from looking at Twitter. Devin Hero has said a major announcement about what's going on in Saskatoon. Amy Nixon tweeted that she is on her way to Saskatoon for this announcement. And then Brian Mudrick said that tomorrow they're going to announce where the Roar of the Rings is. So through my incredibly advanced deductive (laughs) abilities, I have come to the conclusion that they will announce that the 2021 Roar of the Rings will be in Saskatoon. Oh, you're real Sherlock there, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) Look out. Look out. First yeah. time though, not in first time not in an NHL building. I think that'll be good. I think we saw the building in Ottawa here was too big. So the building in Saskatoon, I believe, is about fourteen thousand. I was there it's big for, the, for it's a big for a WHL. Like it's big for a junior arena. Yeah, I was there for the Briar in twenty twelve. Um and yeah, it's like two levels. The upper deck is pretty big. So I think it'll be the right size for a roar in that city. On the prairies, oh, it'll be great. Smart fans, smart, really smart curling fans. Mm-hmm. We'll see if Robin Silvernagger can get in on the women's side. I don't know. I think you'll have one of Kirk Myers or Matt Dunstone there, maybe even both. But if there's a Saskatchewan-based team there, that'll be a lot of fun. Oh, it'll be a lot of fun for sure, for sure. Now, we, Sean, we didn't touch at all on the World Juniors. Maybe we'll talk about that after this weekend. Uh, but both Canadian teams are into the finals. Yes. So uh, good on that. I don't think they played as well as they were hoping all week, but uh, good on them for no. that. You know, I, I was in Halifax, Sean. I, I was an hour and a half drive from from Liverpool, and I was however far Cape Breton is, I don't know, three, four hours. And I just, uh, I didn't plan it well. <laughs> I really could have been there. But uh, yeah. in and out real quick. So uh, too bad, but that event was going on to. Do you want to say a couple of words about the Scottish curling? They made the right decision. They made the it right took decision. Too long. It, it, yeah, it absolutely took. So, so anyone who doesn't know, uh, Sophie Jackson and her team, of course, beat Eve Muirhead in the women's final. The Scottish Curling Federation, or whatever they're called, they said that they were not going to go to the World Championship because their stated goal at the start of the year was the World University Championships, and that's what they were going to. And then the Jackson team asked for them to review this decision, and last weekend the Scottish Curling Federation determined that they were going to follow their own rules and say that the person who won the the national championship would go. It's absolutely the right decision. Eve Muirhead, she put out a statement saying that they fully agreed with this decision. A little curious that that statement didn't come out until after the decision had been announced. Seems like something she probably could have done preemptively and just said, they won, they go. So, you know, I do question a little bit the sincerity of that statement, to be honest. And overall, though, it was 100% the right thing to do. The Team Jackson deserved to be there. And... I, you know, we mentioned this with the American Championship, Scott. I don't like the idea of having national championships where the, whoever wins doesn't necessarily go to the the World Championship. If you're going to have a national championship, your national champion should play in the World Championships. I, I think it's very straightforward. Yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely. And Jonathan and Ryan talked about this uh, on their podcast. I believe it was British Curling uh, that made the decision that 
they wouldn't go and which Scottish curling is like a part of it. And anyway, listen to them talk about it because they are smarter than us about that <laughs> stuff. But uh, so in the end, I think Scottish curling was for sending Team Jackson and were sort of overruled by British curling. And then Scottish curling went in and said, hey, no, like we got to fix this. And they've ended up fixing it. So it's good. Um, a couple of other things that I just wanted to mention are uh, my friend Sherry uh, texted me and said that on our preview, we talked about Team Homan uh, and their two uh, players that are pregnant right now. And I mentioned, oh, the first trimester is really tough. She said, Scott, they're probably in their second trimester. So my bad. I, I don't know uh, <laughs> about timing or anything. And uh, I think that was it. I think that was all the feedback I got. Okay. And, and yeah, certainly Rachel Holman would be because she announced at Christmas that she was pregnant. And generally you wait until, what, two or three months to announce that to the world. Uh, so, yeah, probably f- for her. And we've seen a couple times this week where Joe and Courtney is gone and, and games that haven't necessarily been out of reach either that she's gone and sat down later in the game yeah and lynn kraviatsik has come in uh the the other news that came out today scott's uh, that didn't get a lot of press here mostly because it was a chinese based publication that put it out the story about the korean team uh some disturbing uh confirmation of what was going on with the uh, Korean Olympic women's team um, where the skip was pregnant during the Olympics. Their coach was basically stealing money from them in the tens of thousands of dollars. And, you know, we'll have to see what the ramifications are for this moving forward. But, you know, hopefully for Korean curling, they can sort this out Mm. and, yeah, just just a really unfortunate situation there for Team Kim. Uh, you know, the team they're they're just so much fun. You know, every time we saw them last year, just a, a great team. They had that great run, and it, it's just unfortunate now in retrospect to know that this was going on behind the scenes. And if anything, Scott, I think it makes it even more incredible that they did what they did last February at the Olympics, knowing that all of this was swirling around them yeah sean that is pretty incredible i'll have to go check that out and hopefully uh, that gets some mention at least uh somewhere in the curling coverage i know we're celebrating curling tomorrow but maybe at least uh, something in passing so yeah. uh we'll see what ta- what pops up uh, on curling twitter curling twitter very active as always uh, yeah. Check it out. Follow the hashtags on on there for curling and STOH and all that stuff. So, yeah. So uh, so a big weekend here. We got playoffs here at the Scotties Tournament of Hearts, the championship finals there out in Liverpool at the World Juniors. As we start to get our World Championship field set on the women's side, and and some of the men's fields, of course, is is pretty well set already but scott we're coming down the home stretch here on the season of champions yeah it's been a long year sean but it's been fun and uh these these fields are my favorite scotty's in the briar i yes. think most canadians would agree i uh i i really like the uniforms by the way the yeah great job i think they're awesome uh was it john cullen ranked them on twitter yeah john cullen ranked them i i sort of sent him a sarcastic tweet when he said that Nothing beats red and, or excuse me, nothing beats yellow and black, and yet he had it seventh. 
and I thought yeah. that was strange well, if they're yeah. unbeatable. Yeah, he had uh, VCs at 16 or, or 15 or whatever. I thought they were beautiful with the, the red in addition to the blue and the gold trim. I uh, I thought they were out of this world. Pretty uh, pretty ideal. I really like the the moose on the back of the Northern Ontario shirts. Yeah, uh, yeah no. The the dog on the the Newfoundland ones, right? Yeah. The, the Labrador on there, like they're they're really really good, and uh, I I really like the Saskatchewan ones too. Mm-hmm. With the wheat, uh, yeah, just, they just did a really good job. It's like it's like a touch of fun. It, it's they're still fun. But retain the classicness of yeah. of the the event uniform. So great job by Dynasty Curling out there, uh, Colin Hodgson and uh, and his partners. Good work. Absolutely. So uh, with it being Curling Day in Canada on Saturday, you can of course go out and uh, get them. They're for sale, which is the first time I remember Scotty's and Briar shirts being for sale like this. Yes, it is, and I think that was one of the things that they wanted to do with going to dynasty being able to you know have the fans wear what the players wear so to speak yes so uh so definitely check that out if you want and tomorrow after the three four game uh, tomorrow afternoon there will be a one hour special brad mujic bob weeks about currently and they're going to announce the top 10 women's players of all time and uh, exciting news there is a curling documentary coming to netflix the trailer was dropped this week uh, there was a, a feature of pat ryan an image of pat ryan uh, in his tuck delivery in outer space there was sort of a cartoon of that that was making the rounds on twitter today oh, but that appears to be a thing that's forthcoming as well so uh, a lot of really good stuff here scott sean maybe you can invite me over to your house because i, I canceled netflix i'm, pro- I'm yes. protesting this this price hike they're gouging us now. <laughs> and uh, I, I signed up for Crave TV because uh, I wanted to watch Mark Forward's special, Mark Forward Wins All the Awards, debuted on Crave TV today. So sign up for Crave TV. Anybody listening there, this is so funny. Sean and I saw him do it live just for laughs a couple of years ago. Hilarious. One of the best uh, shows I've ever seen. I think you would agree. Uh, so, 100%. so that is my yeah. free shout out. There, there's no sponsorship money involved, involved here. No. So no, Mark Forward, it, Mark Forward oh. is just is great. I, I, I've never laughed so hard in uh, in, in a stand-up comedy venue. And you, you and I have gone to Just for Laughs four, five, six times, a bunch of times. A bunch of times. Yeah. And Mark Forward doing a bit called Fancy Hats. <laughs> I I've never laughed so hard than the first time I saw that in person. It was unbelievable. It's included on this special. Mark Forward is amazing. Is is it on this special? On on uh, I think it's on his previous special. Uh, what but, was the previous uh, one called? Uh, the previous one was just called Mark Forward Presents. Oh yes, excuse me. Yeah, so, so it's that, on that one. That one's on Vimeo. Um, Go buy it. Ninety nine cents, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Just, but, yeah, just no, do yes, it. But, yeah, but Mark Forward wins all the, you know, it's hard to spoil stand-up comedy, uh, but his clothes on this, incredible. I was awed, and uh, just completely in awe. A bear in heaven, one of my it's favorite great. bits. It's, just, it's just, it's, it's, um, it's great. Yeah, just, just, yeah. Mark Forward is is great. <laughs> oh man, I'm amazing. gonna, I'm gonna actually put it on as soon as we're done here, Sean. So, okay. uh, let's wrap it up. <laughs> 
All right, so let's wrap that up. So everybody, uh, enjoy the curling this weekend. Lots to watch, pay attention to. Uh, hopefully ESPN figures out what they're doing because uh, all reports were that ESPN3 forgot that there was a draw this evening. So hopefully they figure it out for the playoffs this weekend so our friends down there in the United States can watch. Everybody else, of course, enjoy all the action. If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show wherever you get your shows, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, give us a rating, likes, all those fun things. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Game of Stones Pod. You can email us at Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back with you Sunday night, right after the final of the Scotties. We'll break it all down for you, both the Scotties final and the World Juniors. And then later next week, we will be back with you, getting you set for the 2019 Tim Hortons? Is it still Tim Hortons? Uh, Tim Hortons Briar? Tim Hortons? Is that? Uh, I think so. Yeah, let's go with that. So the, with the, uh, we'll be back with our Briar preview later in the week. But until we come back with you Sunday night, keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern.